Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Let's get started. Bonus nachos or buenos noches, depending on if you're in the mood for more nachos or you just want a happy Monday. It is the Truth Hurts program with your buddy Steve Z here behind the microphone at Studio 63. We had a very wonderful and productive weekend over here in South Louisiana. Got to attend multiple events and uh, had a great time. So I hope you guys had a good weekend as well. I am going to scour the headlines briefly this morning. The Hill writes, What must never be asked about COVID-19 and vaccines, nor ever revealed? It says, For the censors out there, this is not an anti-vaccine piece, just the opposite. I believe vaccines represent the best hope to billions of people around the world, it says. This is simply about our rights as Americans in the age of COVID-19 to ask certain questions. I say that because, although some will disagree, for many people, life seemingly has become a dystopian science fiction movie of do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do edicts. Quite sadly, an ugly and potentially harmful us-versus-them mentality has taken hold with some on both sides of the COVID-19 treatment divide. It's a divide that appeared because of the consequences of forced or controlled ignorance. Not necessarily. I disagree. That is the point at which I disagree with this article. Now, in the age of social media, it's easy for groups of people on either side of any issue, including vaccine or not vaccine, to come up with things that look real and legitimate. Follow the science, my friends, has become decide on which scientist to follow. How can you trust Dr. Anthony Fucci to give you the best advice on a virus that he helped to create? There's no argument about that now. The proof is there. Parties on both sides of the vaccine argument now agree that Dr. Fucci's time at the head of certain organizations where U.S. tax dollars were funneled to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to conduct gain-of-function research that actually created not only the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019, but multiple other variants of different formerly intransmissible diseases in humans. They transformed them to be able to be spread easily to humans and by humans to other humans. So here we go. Do you follow that wacky scientist? Not I, said the fly. Or do you follow other scientists, which the mainstream leftist media tells you are all whack jobs and kooks and quacks? Follow the science. Sounds amazing. And it is only being echoed on the leftist, progressive, woke, liberal side of the equation. Follow the scientists on the other side of the equation, and you are called a nut job. Then there's the lie of the very name of the so-called vaccine, which is not a vaccine at all. Vaccines generally, probably 99.9998% of the time, are developed by using either a live version of the virus, somewhat diminished, or a dead version of the virus. That is the definition of a vaccine. The vaccine is supposed to trigger your natural bodily immune functions to go to work by creating white blood cells that will counteract the effects of a virus or a bacteria or some other foreign object in your body. What Fauci and his goons did at the Wuhan Virology Institute was to create a virus, get a U.S. patent on the virus, and then, also in the same time, create a manufactured version 
of something to counter-effect the virus. That's not a vaccine. Here's my example of something I think would kind of fit the mold. A guy creates Godzilla and then also creates anti-Godzilla. That way he can unleash Godzilla on Tokyo. And then if Godzilla gets out of hand, he takes Godzilla 2, the anti-Godzilla, brings him out and lets the two of them fight, further, of course, destroying Tokyo. And in the process, making he who invented Godzilla 2 out to be some kind of hero. To say that Dr. Anthony Fauci is a leader in this Wuhan-China novel coronavirus fight is to say, yep, he invented it, but he also is coming out with the anti-Wuhan-China novel coronavirus. It's not a vaccine, my friends. Now, I have taken the Johnson & Johnson, Janssen Pharmaceuticals so-called one-shot vaccine, even though it's not a vaccine, and hopefully my body has said, hey, this kind of replicates a little bit something similar to the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019. Come on, body, do your job and fight off if the real Wuhan China novel coronavirus happens to invade this guy's body. That doesn't make it a vaccine. Not in any way, shape, manner, fashion, or form. And of course, you have to take in the survivability rate of getting the Wuhan China novel coronavirus, the age of the average person getting the virus, or those with chronic morbidities, such as obesity or, I don't know, respiratory ailments. We know where the virus has originated. We know that the virus has indeed either naturally mutated or they just simply let out variant point two, 2.0, or whatever you want to call it. And all in the process, they use the name of safety and science, which is disputed, by the way, to have an us-against-them mentality. The so-called vaccinated are just as likely to spread that Delta variant, for example, within their household as the unvaccinated, according to a study. It is not criticism or indictment of the so-called vaccines that I seek to mention to you, my friends, but it is your individual rights and liberties that are being questioned here. You have the right to not be vaccinated. People who disagree with me then say, then you also have the responsibility to either stay indoors and not go around anyone else and pay your own way and find your own medical care if you happen to come down with the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019. Here's my argument with that, my friends. People are getting COVID even though they're vaccinated. Oh, but Steve, it might be far less um, damaging if you do get COVID. No, no, it might be, but it might not be. Many people, vaccinated people, have gotten COVID and died of COVID. The vaccines either don't work or don't work as well as they claim to work. Or perhaps Dr. F -F -F Fucci and his goons should not have invented this virus to begin with. There's where 100% of the responsibility lies. Those who created this variant, this virus, those who engaged in gain-of-function research to turn an otherwise impossible-to-transmit-to-humans virus into a highly possible-to-transfer-to-humans virus. Where is the call for charges to be brought up against the Wuhan China Virology Lab and those like Anthony F -F -F Fucci who were involved directly in the research that created this nightmare? I am rooting for science to win the war against this virus. We know who created the Godzilla. We now know also who created the so-called anti-Godzilla. But guess what? 
They're still letting this clown get on television and pretend to be the guy who's going to save us all. And gropey Joe Biden is lauding that clown every opportunity he gets. I mentioned something the other day about Donald Trump's possibility of running for president in 2024. I'm scratching my head. Many of my ultra-conservative friends are saying yes, because in a potential 2024 match, Donald Trump leads Joe Biden by double digits in the most recent Iowa polling. In a hypothetical 2024 rematch, former President Donald Trump leads current President Gropey Joe Biden in Iowa by over 11 percentage points, according to the Des Moines Register Mediacom Iowa poll. In 2020, Trump defeated Biden by 8 percentage points, which means people in Iowa are more likely now to vote for Trump than Biden, even more so than before. 51% of likely Iowa voters for the 2024 election say they would vote for Trump. 40% say they would vote for Biden. 4% say they would not vote for either candidate. 5% say they're unsure. Now this comes as Gropey Joe's approval rating tanks. It sits near the lowest ebb since he took office back in January, 11 months ago. Biden's support, of course, was high amongst Democrats in Iowa, 95%. Independents, though, favored Trump by 8 percentage points, 45 to 37%. In other words, if the election were held today, Trump would defeat Joe Biden by 11 points overall in the state of Iowa. And, of course, the Iowa caucuses come as the forerunner, the forebearer, the precursor of sorts to each presidential election. And of course, what poll would be complete without them insulting people without a college degree? It says Trump, however, does well amongst likely voters without a college degree, 59 to 31%. But gropey Joe Biden supposedly does better than those with a college degree, 53 to 38%. And supposedly in Iowa, Biden did well with likely voters 65 and older and with those without any religious affiliation. In other words, if you don't have a college degree and you go to church, you're just some backwoods hayseed ignoramus and you're gonna likely vote for Donald Trump. And since the numbers clearly show in this poll, the majority of Iowans would vote for Donald Trump, this poll basically insults everyone in the state of Iowa, claiming that those folks in Iowa are just a bunch of backwoods hayseeds and that they don't deserve to have a vote. And of course, those highly educated, atheist, non-religious people on the left are now claiming that truck drivers, you know, the people who bring the goods to your local grocery store, your local home improvement store, your local dress shop, etc., are racist white men who vote for Trump. It is an industry populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55, supposedly. MSNBC host Tiffany Cross went on the air to their 9 or 10 viewers nationwide and blasted white truckers who voted for Donald Trump, calling them aggressive and dangerous. This idiot, race baiter, says the trucking industry consists of mainly white men over the age of 55, saying it is a hotbed for racism. Her exact quote, This is an industry populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55. This group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Some people have talked about, you know, aggressive truck drivers cutting them off or not being helpful. 
Cross also argued that if there were more blacks working in the trucking industry, there would be less racism. She said, So obviously the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that. She pointed to a labor bureau statistic showing that 77% of truck drivers are white and that 16.8% identify either as black or blafrican American. Well, guess what? They're not disproportionate there, are they? Because the blafrican American 13% minority is just that, 13%. And yet 16.8% of truck drivers identify as either black or blafrican American? What do you guys want? 50-50? Well, you're not 50-50 in the population. You're only a 13% minority. The race baiting at MSNBC and at CNN are the likely reasons that CNN is reportedly getting ready to shift their entire programming back to only news with no opinion. This comes, of course, as CNN's ratings in the Nielsen Ratings book show that they had averaged less than a million viewers for any single program during the most recent rating period. Far, far lower than even MSNBC, which is a joke of a network, and very, very far lower than Fox News, who holds the title still as the overall top news network. I have my issues with Fox as well. I am a Newsmax and One American News person because I get far less bias from those than I do from either CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. My thought process on the media is watch 30 minutes of CNN, watch 30 minutes of Fox, then make up your own mind. Speaking of low ratings, gropey Joe Biden's approval ratings continue to plunge, primarily due to inflation, my friends. Aids to gropey Joe Biden went out in mass over the weekend to the political talk shows in a bid to help talk up the U.S. economic recovery, despite confidence in the president continuing to plunge amid over his piss-poor handling of inflation, supply chain problems, fuel shortages, empty shelves, the gross mishandling of the Afghanistan withdrawal, and of course the massive crisis he created at our southern border. In alarming news for the White House, less than 40% of voters have approved of Biden in recent polling. 38% was the actual number a week ago. And supposedly, the Washington Post ABC survey published on Sunday showed 41% approving of Biden. The new numbers came despite a victory lap over passing of a $1.2 trillion infrastructure package, which was bipartisan in nature. In other words, would not and could not have passed without Republican support. And they're hoping his new $1.75 trillion so-called build-it-back-better social spending bill, well, that is making him look even worse because Americans are figuring it out, finally. This guy is a tax and spend and tax and tax and tax again Democrat. 39% in that ABC poll approved of Biden's handling of the economy. Their confidence has been shaken by inflation surging to 30-plus year highs. Remember the Jimmy Carter era? This is Carter 2.0 in the disguise of another feeble-minded, weak-looking person, Gropey Joe Biden. The supply chain crisis created by Gropey Joe's mishandling of our economy is threatening the availability of toys for the holiday season, as well as availability of food and other essentials. 
The Treasury Secretary, ancient Janet Yellen, and Brian Deese, the director of the National Economic Council, have been trying desperately to reassure voters that Biden's policies had the U.S. on the right track amid warnings of inflation that remain high well into next year. Ancient Janet Yellen told CBS's Face the Nation when she was asked about the likely dropping of the paid family leave from the Build Back Better plan. We will still have an economy that is recovering and will be strong and support ongoing growth. We are supportive, President Gropey Joe Biden and I, of paid leave, and it's something we will try to legislate in the future, but there's money in this package that will make it easier for people to work and to care for family members at the same time. And like all Democrats, she's blaming the Wuhan China novel coronavirus, something that I thought Gropey Joe was supposed to get under control immediately upon taking office. But she's blaming COVID for the worst of the inflation and supply chain issues. And she predicts that prices will likely, quote, return to normal, unquote, in the second half of next year if we're successful with the pandemic. She says the pandemic has been calling the shots for the economy and inflation. If we want to get inflation down, continuing to make progress against the pandemic is the most important thing we can do. She says, we passed the American Rescue Plan and unemployment has declined from 15% to under 5% now. Americans feel confident about the job market, but they're not going back to work. They're not going back to work because you idiots keep paying them guaranteed income. Morons. Wages are increasing. Well, that's because so many people are refusing to go back to work. Employers are having no choice but to raise wages. But the quality of work still sucks. Trust me, I went to a fast food joint this weekend. The sign out front said, now hiring, starting wages, $13 an hour to be a Whopper flopper. Or it wasn't really the Whopper, but it was another fast food chain. And guess what? They still got my order wrong. They were still rude. And they still rolled their eyes when I told them thank you. They should be thanking me for patronizing their business. But these low-end, low-skilled, low-intelligence, low-education employees of that fast food restaurant probably don't have any home training, you know what I'm saying? They probably never learned to say thank you to anyone because they expect everything to be handed to them. Mr. Deese mirrored ancient Janet Yellen's upbeat position on NBC's Meet the Press. He attempted to downplay attempts in the summer to paint rising inflation as a, quote, temporary blip. He said, because of the actions the president has taken, we're now seeing an economic recovery that most people didn't think was possible. Really? Most people didn't think it was possible? Donald Trump brought forth a major economic recovery, even though there was the Wuhan China novel coronavirus. My friends, there are actually people ignorant enough, stupid enough, uneducated enough, ill-informed enough that they are going to fall for these lies. Inflation is here. Prices will not go back down. Maybe gasoline and diesel will go down a little bit. But the price of a Big Mac never goes down, no matter what. I paid $5.89 for a quarter pounder at the Volkswagen trade show. And that wasn't even at an on-site McDonald's. That was one down the road a ways. And that's their regular price now. Do I expect quarter pounders to be 65 cents like they were in 1973? No, of course not. But to jump from $1.89 to 5.89 dollars 
in the course of eight months, it's either price gouging, which is supposed to be illegal, or direct effect of gropey Joe Biden's massive inflation. Of course, as with every issue, gropey Joe claims to be a helpless bystander. He says he still has no answer when it comes to inflation. In fact, he's doing everything possible to downplay the issue altogether. Inflation has become a drag on Gropey Joe's polling numbers and now on the chances of passing his now $1.85 trillion so-called Build Back Better Act that he's been trying to win centrist Democrats over on. A CNN fact check came to Biden's defense claiming that it is, quote, false to exclusively blame Democratic spending policies and noting that supply chain disruptions and global oil production are also to blame. Maybe a little bit. Of course, the Biden administration has been belittling supply chain issues as, quote, high-class problems, unquote. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain is promoting it as high-class problems. Or, as little walk-it-back girl, little red Jen Pisaki says, the tragedy of the treadmill, because rich white folks can't get their Pelotons on time. Guess what? When little wick mama, Tyronisha LaJohnson, goes in to get her wick and her baby diapers and her other items for her little baby, the shelves are empty and the prices are through the roof. Biden has decided to tout his so-called Build Back Better joke as something that will curb inflation. It's difficult to trust the claims of an administration that was surprised at how serious the inflationary problems are throughout the economy. That was a direct quote, by the way. In fact, Biden's National Economic Council deputy director says inflation is actually a positive development. What an idiot. Tell that to Tyrone Jones, who simply wants to buy his 364th pair of sneakers. But now the prices have gone up. Well, don't worry, Tyrone. There'll be a riot after Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted. You can go steal all the sneakers you want. But keep up your entire demographics history. And make sure to leave all the work boots on the shelves when you loot the shoe stores. Gropey Joe Biden and his supporters promise that its economic policies will slow inflation eventually. In the meantime, inflation, as you and I both know, will get far worse far sooner. And that is even according to the forecasting firm Biden cites to approve and support his agenda. Just as his debacles on immigration, his joke in Afghanistan, and his massive failures on unemployment Biden and his allies want you to think that he is nothing but a bystander here. It can never be his fault. It can never be the fault of policies that he has pursued and implemented. He says the world is out of control. It's OPEC that isn't boosting production, not Biden's failed energy policies, not his cancellation of pipelines and drilling, not massive regulations being imposed upon refineries. Oh, it's those oh-so-complicated supply chains that are to blame, not Gropey Joe's COVID-19 stimulus and unemployment bonuses that are now coming to an end. It's become Biden's go-to move. Everything that happens under his watch is either irrelevant or inevitable. Inflation has somehow become both to Biden as he ignores his own role in the issue while promising that he has yet another magic solution as he trudges through with his own agenda, seeking to tax and spend and tax again each and every worker in the U.S. Washington Post has an article that says racism costs American trillions. Gropey Joe Biden and the Fed saying they're working to change that. 
Now, this article was written by a race baiter, Joe Davidson, on Saturday, and it starts out, It's obvious that white people are richer than the nation's black and Hispanic populations. Stop. It's obvious? So every white is richer than every black? Where's my chacaroni millions or my LeBron billions? Hmm? The article goes on to say, What is less understood is the cost of that disparity to everyone, regardless of race, income, and wealth. Mary C. Daly hopes to change that. As president of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, one of 12 regional institutions in the nation's central bank system, this influential voice in economic policymaking co-wrote a recent Brookings Institution report that pegged the cost of racial and economic disparities in the labor market. The report's opening line asked the central question, how much larger would the U.S. economic pie be if opportunities and outcomes were more equally distributed by race and ethnicity? Buried deep in the 35-page so-called study is the answer. They claim $22.9 trillion over 30 years, but they say that's not the full answer. When other factors are included, including the value of capital items like machinery, factories, computers that the labor force needs to do its work, the figure jumps to $51 trillion. Looking just at the economic cost of black inequality last year, in a report by Citi, the global bank, they reached a similar conclusion. If four key racial gaps for blacks, wages, education, housing, and investment were closed 20 years ago, $16 trillion could have been added to the economy. If the gaps are closed today, $5 trillion can be added over the next five years. My friends, this is a joke. Let's look at those four things that Citigroup says. Wages. Well, if you were to do your job as well as other ethnic groups, your wages might go higher. Education. If you would have sat in the classroom and not tried to make everything about race and learned that one plus one is two, two times two is four, C-A-T spells cat, then maybe your education level sitting right next to a white student would be equal to that white student. Maybe you're just mentally incapable of performing at that level, like whites are mentally incapable of performing mathematics at the level of most Asians. Maybe there are truly differences in people. Let's talk about housing. When you put a bunch of cars up on blocks in the front of your house and sit around smoking reefer, drinking 40-ounce malt liquors in your neighborhood instead of going to work, getting a job, and being productive, if you'd clean up your yard and your house and not just throw all your garbage out in the front yard, maybe your housing values would go up. Investment? Instead of investing in 40s and blunts and spinning wheels on your cars and you decided to invest in a business or maybe a degree, I don't know what to tell you, my friends. According to this article, with the trillions that are lost, it represents a huge loss for all Americans, not just Blafricans, who bear the direct consequences of, as they claim, historic and systemic racism. They cannot accept simple, biological, physiological, and facts based upon centuries of studies of different ethnicities. Some people are just naturally smarter, more gifted, and more talented in certain areas than others. Imagine if tomorrow the National Football League were required to be ethnically equitable. You would have only 13% of NFL players come from the ranks of African Americans. You'd have to have 16% Hispanic. 5% would have to be Asian. 1% would have to be Native American. And the remaining number would have to be Caucasian. 
You want to talk about fairness? Let's make it fair across the board. 13% of pilots would have to be black. Qualified or not. Experienced or not. That would be fair and equitable. 13% of brain surgeons, the guys working on your brain, would have to be African American. Qualified or educated or not. They just have to put them in there. Because that would be equitable and fair. Only 13% of garbage truck workers would be African-American, which means a lot more white people will be hauling garbage cans. Okay, that would be fair. That would be equitable. But you see, the minorities in the United States use the terms equitable and fair only when it benefits them. The National Basketball Association would have to have only 13% blacks, 16% Hispanics, 5% Asians, 1% Native Americans, and the rest would all have to be white. That would be fair. That would be equitable. The United Negro College Fund would have to give 13% of its scholarships to black people, 16% of its scholarships to Hispanics, 5% to Asians, 1% to Native Americans, and the remainder would have to go to white people if the country was fair and equitable. The Miss Black America pageant with 50 states in the United States would only get to run six or seven black women in the Miss Black America pageant. That's right. Eight would have to be Hispanic. At least two or three would have to be Asian. And the rest would have to be white. The Miss Black America pageant. Do you see how silly that sounds? It's about all the time I have to discuss these matters with you today on the Truth Hurts program. Think about what I said. Think long and hard about it. We'll speak to you on the next program. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are free speech protected under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics.